You are listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and other conversations as we strive to go serve and love in our communities. If you want to know more about us, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org. If you've enjoyed our podcast, be sure to subscribe and check us out on YouTube. If you would, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 21, and we'll look at the first nine verses there in just a moment. Matthew chapter 21. And today we celebrate Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Easter. And you remember that Palm Sunday is Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And it marks the beginning of the last week of his life. And it's really interesting, if you think about it, that so much of the Gospels are devoted to the last week of of Jesus' life, and most of us really don't grasp that at all. Now think about that. Approximately 30% of the Gospels are devoted to detailing the last week of Jesus' life. Now think about that. Matthew has 28 chapters in it. 28 chapters in the book of Matthew. And then you look at Mark, and you have 16 chapters. And Luke has 24. And John has 21. You add all that up and you have 89 chapters. And you do a 30% of that and you're around what? 30 chapters that are devoted in the Gospels toward the last week of Jesus' life. So I think we ought to pay attention to that. With so much devoted to this one week in Jesus' life, I want to introduce you to the importance of a day in the life of Jesus. So we'll begin with verse 1 of chapter 21 and read through verse 9. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a coat, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the coat and put on them their cloaks, And he said on them, Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! Just as Jesus came into the anxious city of Jerusalem back then, He's coming again into our churches and our lives. You know what we call those times? You ever remember the word revival? Anybody ever been involved in a real revival? Or times of awakening? We call those those things. It's kind of the time when God comes near. You see, the streets of Jerusalem were alive that day, alive with a coming king. So the question to you is, is do you desire to see the streets of Lima 
alive with his glory. And for the next few moments, my goal is to see us burn with a fresh desire to praise him just as they did back then, especially as we approach Easter. Man, how great it would be for our streets and our church to ablaze, just be on fire with the splendor of our King as theirs were in Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday. So my prayer today is that God would help me today, even me, to create some enthusiasm for Him this morning. If only our hearts would be set on ready and we would just kind of sit on the edge of our seats with a passionate desire to see Jesus come again down the streets of our city, just like He did in those days. Just as we did seeing our kids walking around with the palm branches this morning. You know, maybe God's Spirit this morning will ignite someone's soul with a burning desire to welcome the King in our midst today. Would this be the day when heaven and earth again ring with His praises? Today, what I want to do is I want to share with you what I call five acts of real worship. The first is you get excited. When is the last time that you really were excited in a church service? When special times of worship and awakening are happening, it is astonishing. There's just simply Nothing to explain it. I mean, there are times that no one can explain when the Holy Spirit just unleashes himself among God's people. It's as if God has ridden among his people over and over again when things like that happen. Some of you will remember if you're a studier at all, but in 1857 and 858 and the awakening in Wales, there's this terrific story about a little 12-year-old boy. There was a revival that broke out. Now, I want you to pay close attention because I want to spend some time here, okay? There was a revival that broke out, a tremendous movement of the Spirit of God that broke out in, the northern, in northern Ireland in the county of Derry. And here's how it broke out. One day, there was this little boy who had been going to church. He was about 12 years old, and he was in school. He was very, very unhappy. And he found himself getting depressed and crying. And his teacher tried to help him out. Then finally the teacher said, Look, I don't know what's wrong, but you really do need to go home. Actually, the little boy had been going to church. And he had been wrestling with whether or not he was a Christian. And what it meant to be a Christian. Well, since the boy was just so upset, the teacher suggested that one of his friends, another little boy, take him home and then come back. And it turned out that that other 12-year-old boy just happened to be a Christian. And on his way home, he was talking to his friend, and he found out that he was wrestling with what it meant to be a Christian, and he explained it to him like a real Christian is supposed to. His Christian friend sat down and talked to him, and he led him to Christ. 
He showed him what it meant to put his trust in Jesus. And when this happened, guess what? He wasn't crying anymore. They were so excited and so happy. And the little boy who was brand new in the kingdom turns around and says, there's no reason for me to go home. I'm going to go back to school. I feel great. So what happened is they go back to school. Don't miss this. Now, you know it's a revival when little boys want to go back to school. Amen? Amen. And this is a true story. And the little boy, he goes back in class. He comes up to the front and he says to the teacher, it's all right. I don't need to go home. The teacher says, well, what's going on? What happened? Why are you feeling better? He says, it's all right. I'm a Christian now. Jesus saved me, and he sat down. Now listen to this. When he said that, just those few words, there was this tremendous silence that happened in the classroom. Over the next few minutes, the teacher began to have kids who came up front and said, Can I talk to the kid who walked out with the second kid? I'm concerned about my soul as well. It got so bad that the teacher had to find that most of the room was very, and she found out that most of the room was very interested and the teacher didn't know what to do. A couple hours later, many of the parents came to pick up their children. And found out that the class was all broken into little prayer groups. All over the courtyard. All over the schoolyard. All over the school. Not only were there children in there. But the teachers were talking to this little boy. And they were talking to one another. They were praying and leading one another to Christ. And they said, oh my gosh. What are we going to do about this? Then someone, as a lot of times, they will send for one of the local pastors. Now, usually when this happens in the school, it's because someone has died. Something has happened at school. You know what I'm saying? But this was because revival had broken out in the school. And when the pastor got there, he found that the parents were involved in this thing. The school and the schoolyard became clogged with people from town and nobody would go home. The minister began to talk to them, and they stayed there all night. There were literally dozens and dozens of people finding Christ, talking to one another, weeping over their sins, and so forth. The next day, everybody said, something amazing has happened. Let's get together and have a special church service and listen to the testimonies of these new believers. They went, and the church couldn't fit all the people into it. Virtually the whole town was there. Remember what I always have said from this pulpit? When a church is on fire, people will come and watch it burn. And that's what was happening there. When the minister had preached his sermon, and they all prayed, he said, you can all go home. And nobody would. They stayed there for two days. Two days straight. Singing. 
praying, giving testimony, insisting that various ministers get up there and preach to them. What ended up happening over the next two years was there were over 300,000 people living in Northern Ireland at that time in those six northern counties. And over one-third of them, over 100,000, were converted and came to Christ in a period of 18 months. You know, Lima, we have about 38,000 people. Can you imagine a third of that? Around 13,000 people starting to pour into churches after revival like that. So what happened? Here was one kid who gets up and says, it's all right now. Jesus has saved my soul. And he sits down and he turns an entire culture on its ears. What happened? Well, I'll tell you what happened. Christ rode into their town that day. They stayed there for two days straight, singing, giving testimonies. Man, insisting. That all these various ministers come and preach to them. But every Sunday, even in here, when I give an invitation, there will be someone to leave before it's over. Sometimes before it's given. When is the last time that you've really sought Christ and felt Him in a way like this? When Christ rides into our town, it's not possible for us not to be excited. You see, people surrounded Jesus on this day. Man, they did it with a flaming love and a heated passion. There was enthusiasm for Christ everywhere you went throughout the city of Jerusalem on that day. Children climbed trees to see Him. It wasn't just Zacchaeus. Children climbed trees to see him, and the shouts of praise weren't for a football game. Huh? Y'all didn't hear that, did you? The shouts were loud and long. Whenever the presence of God is near, there's enthusiasm among God's people. Hear the words of the psalmist. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is what? Good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures forever. You see, someone may complain, Pastor, there's too much excitement. I've really never had that problem around here. Some of you Jesus people are just too embarrassing. Listen, we've erred so long on cold and boring that if the boat leans to the side of heat and zeal, it won't be the worst thing to happen. You see, Easter is next Sunday. And it's easy to get excited Next Sunday, when we sing the song, He Lives. Know that song? 
Ain't no grave gonna hold my body down. And Christ the Lord has risen today. You see, I'm not afraid of cooling down a few zealots. Y'all hear what I'm saying? They were excited. It's warming up the corpse that keep me up at night. Do you understand that? If only there was more evidence of global warming inside our worship centers. We'd have a different nation. Y'all believe that? So first, we see that you get excited. That is a real act of worship. Second, you are obedient. Take special note that the disciples obeyed Jesus. Jesus says, go, and they went. Jesus says, speak, and they spoke. Jesus says, take, and they took. Part of the reason this celebration took place was because the children, listen, his children, the disciples, obeyed him. You see, disobedience hinders the progress of the gospel. Disobedience, man, it dampens worship and praise. So many people gather for worship with no real need of obeying him. And look at these men. They have reference for Jesus' every word. They don't only just obey him immediately, but they obey him cheerfully. Think about it. I have decided to follow Jesus. You know that song? Though none go with me, I still will follow. Many will come to Jesus asking, will you be my consultant? Jesus says in reply, I'm much more than your consultant. I can be your shepherd, your brother, your friend, and your guide, but I will not be anything less than your king. Listen to Jesus say to you, I want all of you or none of you. Understand that. Jesus will never be second. Jesus will never be third. He will either be first or he will be last. He will be Lord of all or he will not be Lord at all. And if you don't have that right in your life, you need to get that right before you leave here today. So you get excited, then you're obedient. And notice thirdly, you give gladly. You see, the owners of the coat and donkey quickly surrendered their possessions for Jesus' entry into the city. Even the disciples contributed their cloaks and piled them on the back of the coat for Jesus. There weren't, they just weren't going to have Jesus ride this animal barebacked. Look, they didn't have much to give, but what they had, they gave. Those who didn't have an animal for Christ to ride, they gave a cloak. And those that didn't have a cloak purchased or cut down a nearby palm branch and offered that. Every hand contributed and every person gave. So the question is, how can there be a celebration when no one spreads their cloak? And how can there be celebration when no one gives up their donkey or coat? Now mark this, Jesus will take away his spirit 
from a people who fail to give generously. He'll remove His anointing upon a people who give grudgingly. A generous spirit marks all real worship. And no one withheld on the day of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. So first, you get excited. You are obedient. You give gladly. But notice, you praise publicly. You praise publicly. Real worship is measured and marked by public praise. You see, I'm leery of anyone who calls themselves a Christian and doesn't praise publicly. You see, moles, M-O-L-E-S, they stay underground and bats hide away in caves. But real believers boldly praise the name of Jesus. Look at Psalm 96, verses 7 through 9. Again, we hear, Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the people. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness, tremble before Him all the earth. When the cool breeze of the Spirit blows through God's people, you will see people publicly praise Him. You see, if you are or were a paraplegic today, and Jesus healed you right here in this service, amen? Y'all still believe in that? Thank you, Jesus. Is that how you're going to do it? Thank you. Amen? Are you going to be ashamed of it? No. Listen to me. I'm not talking about going crazy. I'm talking about just praising Jesus. We got to understand. It's continual praise. All the times what we're going to be doing when we go to heaven. We need to understand that. Listen, when Jesus does something wonderful like that, we need to praise Him publicly. In places all across the world, people are not allowed to praise Jesus publicly. Why? For fear of persecution and retribution. And I've shared stories with people I've been around in other countries, and we talked about that here. You see, when Jesus' name is, is spoken publicly in the streets of Lima, Ohio, we will see a stirring. Read this account in each and every gospel, and you'll not find one place, not one place where Jesus rejected the praise that was offered him. He stopped none of his disciples and commanded no children to be silent. Now, hear the words of the psalmist again. Praise the Lord. All nations, extol him, all peoples. For great is his steadfast love toward us. And the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. When Jesus is with his people, guess what? 
the complaining and the griping cease. And every heart is turned to the loudest notes of praise. How else would God's people act when he is present? For our hearts long to be with him when he's away. Psalm 84, verse 10. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. You know that song too, right? Better is one day in your house than thousands elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. If this is how you feel when he's away, imagine what happens when he's present. Can you imagine that? When the king is with his people, there will always be shouting and singing. You see, the Pharisees always complain of his praise. Look at Luke 19, 40. Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Rebuke them. Jesus replied, I tell you what, if these were silent, the very stones will cry out. What I would give, man, what I'd give to hear the people spontaneously say, Hosanna, Hosanna, that all people of all races, both wealthy and poor, would gather together with one voice. Boys and girls, men and women, with one voice shouting, Hosanna. You know what? Let's just say that loudly like Jesus just rode the donkey down this aisle. We shouldn't be embarrassed. On the count of three, we'll all say Hosanna. Ready? One, two, three. Hosanna. There you go. That's the way I like it. You are excited. Man, you get excited. You get obedient. You give gladly and you praise publicly. But lastly, you witness to others. When real worship, real awakening comes to the people of God, it always stirs people to witness. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you're gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Now among those who went to worship at the feet were some at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Now listen again to the words of the Pharisees. Look, the world has gone after him. Note carefully that Jesus' enemies are quiet. He rode public through the streets where Herod and Pilate had, uh, had held their courts. Yet they did not attempt to molest him. The Romans were very zealous of their authority. They were always prompted to seize upon any person, any person who pretended to be a king and yet not a solitary praetorian guard laid his rough hand upon the king of kings. No one of Herod's, not even one of Herod's men appeared upon the scene. And the scribes and the Pharisees barked a little, but there was a little bite to their complaint. You see, so in a few days, 
He'll submit to the Roman scourging. But now, watch him ride through the city. All the way through the city streets without even a sword to protect him. And on Monday, he'll enter the temple to overturn the tables of the money changers without so much as a whimper of resistance. Behold, the king has come. You see, there is no joy like the joy when Christ is with his people. When spring arrives here in Ohio, oh gosh, when is that coming? <laughs> the frozen ponds break open. Are they even broken open? I don't know. But when the king arrives, frozen hearts spring to life. Amen. They do. Listen, behold, he comes. On one hand, His majesty and His might are infinite. None can resist Him. But on the other hand, He comes gentle. He does. He comes gentle. He takes in the lepers. He takes in the blind. He takes in the lame. He takes in the children and the prostitutes. What kind of king is this? I'll tell you what kind of king He is. He is a king of love and mercy and the one that died for your very soul. Do you know this King of Kings and this Lord of Lords? Will you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed and every eye closed as we get ready to, for our invitation. Jesus loves you so much that he died on the cross for you. And you can know His love by admitting that you are a sinner and believing that He died upon that cross. Because all of us here today are sinners. Listen, you can repent of your sins. You can believe in His death, burial, and resurrection. And you can ask Him to forgive you and He will save you. Just place your faith and your trust in Him. Then confess Jesus as Lord because He wants to be the Lord and Savior of your life and help guide you through life here today. For the rest of you, the altar will be open. As always, if you want to come and pray or if you just want a pastor to pray with you, just come to one of us and we'll be glad to pray with you. Father, this morning, I would ask that all in this place today, that God, they would stop in time and take the time long enough to know for sure that you are the Lord of their life. And Lord, if they don't know you, God, I pray that the day will be the day of salvation. Lord, there's many in here today who are just discouraged. And God, I pray that you would help them to understand that, Lord, you're riding into this place today. And Lord, that they can shout Hosanna because you are the King of kings. Lord, I pray that you would have your way in this service today. Lord, there's no way that we can ever thank you enough for all of your grace, your love, and your mercy. How it's been poured out to us to this very day. So God, have your way in this place today. And we ask this all in your precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Lima Baptist Temple Podcast. We hope you are encouraged today 
and we would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request, a topic you would like to discuss, or want to share what God is doing in your life, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org forward slash central hub.